kick this thing off in verse number 24 as this is the second to last message in a series that we're doing called Hard Rock. And this has been an amazing time. It's been a fun time. It's been an eye-opening time for some of us about who the rock of Jesus Christ truly is, starting with the rock of our salvation. We figured out he is the rock of offense, and we got to praise the rock of offense just like we praise the rock of the great I am. Can I get an amen on that? And I love this about the rock of offense. If you're close enough to stumble over him, you're close enough to touch him. Amen. He's never far away, but it's got to be in your perspective of how you look at him. And so I pray you have a greater perception, the ability to see who God is. And today we're talking about what the Bible mentions in 1 Peter. So our double dip, if you want to find that, it's 1 Peter chapter number 2. So put one finger in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, the other finger in, um, in 1 Peter chapter number 2 as we talk about living stones this morning. The title of this morning's message is called Tombstone. Tombstone. Are you a tombstone or are you a living stone? Are you a tombstone or are you a living stone? And the Bible says this in Matthew chapter number 7, verse 24. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And I want to pause for a moment because there's two things in that verse that I want to bring to your attention. First, you got to hear him. So everybody's got to realize, look up at me this morning. Everybody look up at me and say, hey, God, hey you talking to me? Absolutely, he's talking to you. The question is, are you listening? It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine. So you have the ability to sit in a very sanctuary where the presence of God is powerful and God be speaking and you not hear him. That is a very distinct possibility. Also, any given Sunday morning when I preach a message, it's heard a thousand different ways. Because everybody hears it through their own hearing and you got two ears. And even sometimes your own ears don't line up. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I want us to get in line with what the Spirit of God is saying to us today and the power of God is going to do in us today. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, and here's the second part, you've got to act on something this morning. If you hear the living word of God and don't act, you'll stay a tombstone and not become a living stone. If you hear the word of God and do not act upon what you heard, you'll go right back out these doors and be a dead stone accomplishing nothing for the kingdom instead of a living stone that brings life to those who are around you. And then it says, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. And that's the promise of this whole series that we will be rocks that do not fall and houses that do not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. Mm, this is where it gets tough, is a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great, didn't say as minor or as unnoticed, it says and great was the fall of it. Everybody repeat after me this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm not just listening, but I want to hear so I can do and become that house that is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. If you believe that prayer this morning, give God a hand clap of praise today. Amen. So as we're jumping into this, if we're going to raise eternal and community hope and continue to reach around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ by igniting nations, by impacting a four-state area, and influencing and changing the culture of our 20-mile radius, we have got to be founded on the rock. If you're going to lead one person to the Lord Jesus Christ before this year is done, you have to be founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. And so as we jump into this morning's message called Tombstone, notice the illustration that Jesus starts out with. There was a person who built a rock on a house, or who built a house 
on a rock and there was a storm. There was a person who built a house on a rock and there was a storm. And so in that, we've got to begin to understand Jesus is making the comparison of us and a house. And we know that as we've discussed in the past few weeks, so I won't spend a lot of time on this. The houses in Jesus' day were a lot different than the houses in our day. The houses in Jesus today were meant to be multi-generational housing complexes more than a singular family dwelling that we dwell in in America today. And so in that, and, and all my insurance people love that phrase I just said. I saw Jason's face light up. Single family dwelling. It's like that's insurance 101 right there. <laughs> and so on that, we want you to understand God is calling us to be a church that's built like a house on the rock of Jesus Christ. And next week we're talking about the cornerstone, the rock of Jesus Christ that we're built on, that's built to be multi-generational because God never wanted a generation to be left homeless, helpless, or hopeless as we go through life. And so as we build TWBC on the rock of Jesus Christ, we're first going to hear him. Then we're going to go do what he tells us to do to become this amazing house, but not just for my single family dwelling, for multiple generations, even after many of us are dead and gone. You know, the greatest compliment to anybody who's ever done for the kingdom is what they're remembered for after they're gone, not necessarily what they did when they were here. Because most of the time, what you see and do when you're here, you never see the full impact till about 100 years later. And I would love to see the impact of TWBC 100 years from now about how nations around the world are ignited, about how we've changed, not just impacted, change a four-state area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And literally the culture of this 20-mile radius of this campus becomes the Matthew 5:14 campus, and it is the light of the world. It is a city set on a hill. That we do so much as a church that it rises the status of a city to a different level and we accomplish things for the kingdom of God. And so as we do this, not if we do this, as we do this as a church, we cannot be tombstones, we must be living stones. Amen. We cannot just build something that is dead and so when we're gone, this building is the tombstone of what used to be life. The new facility that everybody is so excited about, if that's just a new facility, it's just a tombstone that we're building. We're not about building tombstones at TWBC. Our purpose and passion has always been people. The building is just a product of whatever it takes to house people. And so we will be living stones in the kingdom of God, as 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8 says. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4. Turn there with me for your double dip today. And I notice a lot more of y'all have been double dipping. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says... As you come to him, a living stone, this is talking about Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones. Everybody say, I'm alive. alive. You're a living stone. He just called you that. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in the scriptures, behold, we talked about this last week, grab hold of the rock, Jesus is real. Behold, I am laying in Zion. Zion is the place where the presence of God would come, where he would speak to his people, where the blessings of the covenant were transferred from a spiritual sense to a physical sense into their lives. So behold, grab hold of what God is laying in Zion, which is the church today, a cornerstone, a chosen stone, a precious stone, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame or panic and so the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Anytime you approach the word of God for, through unbelief, you will stumble over it. You are destined to stumble over it because everything approached in the kingdom of God must be done by faith. It says by faith we understand. It doesn't say we understand by faith. So you must approach it by faith to get understanding of it. If you approach it by understanding to get faith of it, you're going to stumble over it every single time. And so in this, we've got to begin to understand what Jesus is talking about here through the apostle Peter when he's writing in verse number five. And it says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. And now remember this from a few messages ago. It doesn't become a rock until it's revealed to you. It doesn't become a rock in your life until it's revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Jesus did not be, declare Peter to be a rock that the, would be one of the foundations that the church would be built on, built upon top of Jesus Christ until the revelation of who Jesus Christ came into his life. So until you hear it or see it or get um, a, a revelation of it, you are not going to become all that God has called you to become. So we must approach it by faith. And now listen, it says, you yourselves like living stones. Listen, anything that is alive needs sustenance to survive. Not substance, sustenance. Anything that is alive needs sustenance to survive. Now, what is sustenance? It is food or drink regarded as a source of strength and nourishment. So you're a living stone, and so you're not just out there living. You need sustenance to survive. You need food or drink that is going to give you the strength that you need to accomplish the work of God at hand. And so you as a believer being built into a spiritual house as a living stone, if you quit eating the word of God, come on now, you are not going to get the nourishment or the sustenance you need to stay alive in Christ. And the scary thing is, is when a church starts building the foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ, it's got to depend on the people in the church that are called living stones to get sustained or get sustenance from the word of God, not just Sunday morning messages, so the stones on the foundation stay alive to become the house that's multi-generational that God's called us to build. Amen. Now, come on, this, this is talking about you. Yeah. Listen, hey, in 20 years from now, people are going to look back and they're going to say, wow, look at the amazing thing God's done. And y'all can say, but you weren't here when we were in the old building. Yeah. See, it's so important for y'all to stay alive and living. It's so important for y'all to get sustenance from the word of God. Kind of like some of y'all hear the, 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 the stories from the hotel days. And you're like, man, I wonder what that would have been like. Don't worry about it. You didn't miss much. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're still a work in progress, and we still are. But I'm so glad the living stones that were at the hotel, many of you are still here with us today. The living stones that caught life at North Davis and Glover Street are still with us today. The living stones right here on this part of TWBC, you're going to be living with us as we go to the new building right across the parking lot. But you've got to stay alive. And not Frankenstein alive. Amen. I'm talking truly Jesus alive. With the life of Jesus Christ, get some sustenance. Now listen. God has always given his people sustenance to sustain them, to keep life in them throughout all the generations. In the Old Testament, it was in the tabernacle, and it was called the bread of presence. Jesus in the New Testament said, it is the bread of life that gives it. Today in the year 2017, it's known as Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right? Y'all know that's right. Everybody out there, oh, Chick-fil-A, the most godly Christian organization around. Y'all made like Chick-fil-A this, 
God in your life. No, the truth is, and I'm just kidding about Chick-fil-A, but it is going to be a great part of my illustration this morning. The truth is, the manna from heaven is still Jesus Christ. It always has been. It always will be. Since the resurrection of him in the new covenant from the empowering of him, him in the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the church with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is not just bread. He is the bread of life. And some of y'all just look at him as bread. And some of y'all think, well, I'm gluten-free now, so I can't eat the bread. You're in the wrong kingdom. Because there ain't nothing wrong with some good bread. Amen. I'm telling you. Y'all know you like biscuits and gravy. Biscuits is bread. Only in the South can you say stuff like this. I'm just saying. But Jesus is still, has been, and always will be the bread of life. So let's talk about bread for just a second because you're a living stone. So what does bread have to do with you? You're a living stone. You need sustenance to survive. And so the sustenance that he's given you to survive is not just bread, but it is the bread of life that only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now listen, in Matthew 2, chapter number 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, now the word Bethlehem means house of bread. So the bread of life was born in the house of bread. Man, that's good stuff right there. If that doesn't get you excited, you've already missed it. So the bread of life was born in a city called House of Bread. He goes on farther to say in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 11, many of you call it the Lord's Prayer. You should call it the Disciples' Prayer because it says I'm teaching my disciples how to pray. Jesus didn't say I'm teaching myself how to pray. It's the prayer for you. It's the disciples' prayer. And so he said in the disciples' prayer, the man who was born in the house of bread and declared is the bread of life, says in the Lord's prayer, speaking to you how to pray, the disciples' prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. So there's something serious about bread. And then in John 6, 48 through 51, Jesus said in verse 48, I am the bread of life. He didn't just say I'm the bread. There's an old commercial a long time ago. It's the kid, they put all the stuff on sandwiches. I just like to eat the bread. See, a lot of you like to eat the bread, but are you eating the bread of life? A lot of you like to listen to a good YouTube sermon and get an inspiration, but inspiration ain't life. Inspiration is just that. It's, a, it's to spur up hunger on the inside of you. Life is what you go get when you get into the bread. When you get into the Word of God, and there's nothing wrong with watching a great uh, pastor or preacher on YouTube or on, on a station or anything like that, because I do it. But if I'm looking to that preacher as my bread of life, <laughs> whoo, I, I'm, I'm, I like to say it like that, I'm hurting for certain. And in that, we've got to transfer our motives and our faith to the bread of life. And in John 6, 48, he said, I am the bread of life. Listen, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. I love how Jesus doesn't waste any time. He didn't say they got sick and then they fell away and hopefully there was a great return. He said, they ate bread in the wilderness and they're dead today because of it. Right? Now listen. They ate bread in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Can you get a theme here? Jesus is wanting you to live and not die. He's wanting you to become a living stone, not a tombstone. And some of you, since the day you were born again, have been feasting on a lot of things except for the bread of life himself. Well, today I want you to come alive in Christ Jesus, not become a tombstone, but become a living stone with the bread of life. He said, so that one may eat of it and not die. Jesus said this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life, uh, excuse me, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is 
my flesh. Now you read after this, a lot of people got ticked off and walked away. I can't handle that. That's too hard of a teaching, Jesus. It's not too hard of a teaching. If you approach it by faith, we understand. Now we understand by faith. You got to approach this by faith, not understanding. You got to approach this through the eyes of Jesus Christ, not the eyes that you've always lived for. So listen, the bread of life is more than reading the Bible. Some of y'all go ahead and get upset. Get your religious out of here, okay? I'm going to give you a moment to be mad about that. Because some of y'all are raised in churches. Well, all you need is the Bible. I'm going to prove you wrong here in just a second. Because this contains. Now listen, this is the word of God. I'm not knocking what the Bible is. But there's something in this that makes it come alive. And some of y'all aren't reading it like it's alive. You're reading it like it's words on a page. Okay, there's something more to this. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. But listen, the bread of life is more than reading the Bible. The Old Testament refers to it as the bread of presence. So when I open this up, the presence of God should show up. If I'm reading it by faith, we understand. But a lot of y'all are reading it by, by understanding, I'll get to faith. And that's why the presence doesn't show up. But when you open it up by faith, you get something. Because listen, in this, in the Old Testament, it was called the bread of presence. Presence means face to face. So when I open this, I should have a face to face encounter with the true, real, living Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. And so in this, it says the bread of life is more than reading the Bible. Remember, it's the presence of God that empowers his principles, not the principles that empowers the presence. It's the presence of God that empowers the word of God to come alive to you when you read it. It's the presence of God that makes the bread of life come to life. Now, let me, let me get a little bit farther into this as we begin to talk about the nutrition facts. Because that's a big thing in these days, especially in the United States. We don't know what to eat because everything's bad for you. Well, I'm telling you, I got bread that's good for you. I got bread that'll lead to life everlasting. I got bread that'll, that'll, that'll bring you somewhere in life. So as we talk about nutri nutrition facts, Jesus, the rock who is also the bread of life, is telling us this. Now get this. Write this down. Screenshot the next screen if you have to. Listen to this. We need the nutrients of him to walk in the nourishment from him to live out our new nature in him. Now leave that screen up there for a long time. We need the nutrients of him. We're living stones. Anything that's alive needs sustenance to survive. So we need the nutrients of him, the nutrients of Jesus Christ, to walk in the nourishment that comes from Jesus Christ, to live out our new nature in Jesus Christ. How does this actually work? I'm going to tell you how this actually works. Listen, it is, the, it is in the word of God. But listen, it is not the words, but the life in the words. Everybody's griping about, well, if you don't read King James Version or NIV Version or ESV Version or the Message Bible or the Expanded Bible, or blah, 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 blah. it's not the Word. It's the life in the words. Amen. For crying out loud, have we become so pharisaical and legalistic that we think God can't talk through a, a, a rock? Much less the words that were ordained by godly men in the canon of the Scriptures? Well, don't get me fired up about it. Sorry, I lost it for a second. If God can speak through a donkey in the Old Testament, I'm pretty sure he can speak through the canon of his word when we live today. And if you don't think he can, you don't think he's God. Because he said all things are possible 
to those who believe. All right, I'm getting back on track here. Here we go. Now listen, it is not in the word of God, but it's the words, excuse me, it is in the word of God. It is not the words, but the life in the words. Now listen, manna from heaven. Here we go. Whew. Chick-fil-A opened for me on Sunday. I'm just saying. Not really. They observed the Sabbath, so I had to get it yesterday. None of us would ever dream about doing this. Oh, my God. Everybody tells me how good Chick-fil-A is, but... Honey, this kind of tastes like paper. It's not... It's the life that's in. If you just look at this, and you just read right here, and you're sitting here saying, oh, the word of God, oh, the written word of God, and the written word of God's powerful, don't get me wrong, you've got to have it, but you've got to have it and approach it by faith, not by understanding. See, a lot of y'all look at this and you open it up and it's dry and it's boring and you'll never admit that because, heaven forbid, you're in church and you should never say the word of God is dry or boring. I'll tell you, I've read the Bible before and it's been the most dry, boring experience of my life. But then I realized I was reading it by understanding I'll get to faith rather than by faith I'll understand it. And if you're reading it by understanding I'll get to faith, what you're doing is you're trying to eat the bread of life like this. No, no, no. You got to unwrap that thing. Come on, some of y'all are like, Lord Jesus. Is he really going to take a bite out of that? Absolutely. I don't even care. I ain't had breakfast this morning. I'm hungry. Mmm. I'm going to chew this. Lord Jesus. Oh, David's got my back. Now listen. Ooh, Dr. Pepper would go great with that. I'm just... Now y'all know my weakness. Chick-fil-A and a Dr. Pepper used to be McDonald's, but... Mm. Listen, it's the same thing with the Word of God. It's not what's written on paper. The ands and the is's and the these and the thous and the ifs and the ofs and the whatever, the commas in the right places, the wrong places, the whatever. It's not what's on paper. It's the life that's in it. And until you open it up and unwrap it by faith, you'll never get the nutrients of him. You've got to open this thing up and you've got to approach it by faith to get the nutrients of him. And to get the nutrients of him, you've got to unwrap it. But listen, we don't get nourishment until we eat it. So I could take this out and unwrap it and say, God, this is a beautiful sandwich. I love this sandwich. It's so great. I love it. I still don't have nutrients of it till I eat it. You still will never get the nutrients of the Word of God until you eat it. And you'll, you'll, you, can, you, can literally hold, you can literally hold fresh revelation, revealed Word from God in your hand. And if you don't apply it and eat it and put it in your life, the flesh of Jesus Christ in your life, until it makes you begin to look like Him, and that's how you know you're eating it, you begin to look like Him. If you, you can hold fresh revelation, you can hold the nutrients, but you don't get nutrition until you eat the nutrients. You don't get the nutrition of him until you eat the nutrients from him. 
So in our spiritual walk, we literally, when we read something in the word of God, we're like, whoa, that gum, that's good. There's got to be a transition point because a lot of ghosts don't get from the dead gum, that's good, to the walking it out and becoming the nature of him. And it's because you've missed the eating process. You've celebrated the meal being prepared and set before you, but you never sat down and dined with him and ate with him and spent time with him and digested him into your system. So we need the nutrients of him to walk in the nourishment from him. To get the nourishment from the nutrients, I got to eat this. Can, can, I, can I use an ungodly example? I mean, I guess I'd get in trouble for it later. Won't be the first time. Many of you in your younger partying days, when you wanted to get a um, different... When you wanted to get drunk, let's just say it, when you wanted to feel different outside of yourself, you didn't just go to the store and buy your favorite beverage and hold it and say, oh, yes. Ooh, I got the effects of this now. I'm going to hold it close. You had to open it up and drink some of it. It happens ungodly just like it happens godly. Same thing with the Spirit of God. You don't get the Spirit in the presence of God by getting to say, oh, oh, Jesus. He doesn't work by osmosis. You got to eat it. How do you know when you've eaten it? It's when you begin to act like it, what's been revealed to you. We all love the full armor of God. We wake up and we pray the full armor of God. But if you don't physically walk out and realize that your shield of faith is stopping the fiery darts because of a circumstance that happened in life and you now stood up in faith, there's probably a disconnect from the nutrients to the nourishment. And if we don't get the nourishment, we'll never get to the nature. But you can tell you got, to the, you can tell you got the nourishment if your nature is changing. If your nature is never changing, you never got the nutrients because you never ate it to get the nourishment. So in this, as we walk out this walk of Jesus Christ, the nourishment, we don't get it until we eat it. And the nature, we become the nature of what we eat. So literally, spiritually, you are what you eat. You eat the famous TV show Walking Dead all day long and you start quoting Walking Dead and you start living like Walking Dead and you become a tombstone rather than a living stone. A lot of you could tell me, uh, and I won't just pick on people that like that kind of stuff. A lot of you could tell me what happened yesterday in your college ball games more than you could tell me what Jesus has spoken to you this morning. That's right. A lot of us could tell us the greatest fad that we love from HGTV rather than what God has spoken to us yesterday. So you literally become what you eat. Whatever you consume the most up through your eyes and your ears and your, your absorption gates of your life. Whatever you consume the most of, you start walking in the nature of. But the problem is, we've said we need to read the word of God, and because we've approached it by understanding and not by faith, we've become dry, and we think the word of God is dry, because the problem is we're trying to eat the wrapper, not the nourishment that's carried in the wrapper. We've got to start eating what's in there, and when we start digesting what's in there, you'll actually start getting life again in your life. You'll start actually getting awakening in your life. Say, whoa, this church thing ain't so bad. Because you're approaching it by faith. You get understanding, and your spirit, man, begins to wake up. And so I want to bring you into this last point of dinner time. The Father wants to eat with you. The Father wants to spend time with you. The Father wants to 
feast with you. But listen to this. Have you ever noticed that the father wants to eat at the most awkward times? Right? Have you ever noticed that? Listen, in Exodus chapter number 12, God tells this. Hey, Moses, I'm about to send a death angel. We're going to wipe out the firstborn of every man, woman, and child. It doesn't matter if they're Israelite, and it doesn't matter if they're Egyptian. We're going to wipe out the firstborn of them all. I'm sending the death angel. But if you'll eat with me before, I'll protect your firstborn. So in the midst of the greatest event, I believe, uh, up to this point in all of history, God says, I'm about to send a death angel and wipe out nations, not just a nation, nations. Hey, you want to grab a bite to eat right quick? I'm about to do this, so let's grab a bite to eat right quick. It, it, it gets better. Listen. The psalmist wrote, David wrote this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. All the enemies are surrounding David. He wrote this at the end of his life, thinking of everything that he had gone through. All the enemies surrounding him, and God says, hey, David, you got time to eat? I know when God has told Joel this in the past, and before I wrote this message, now it's crazy clear to me. There's been several times in my personal life when God said, hey, Joel, you got time to eat? I'm like, absolutely not. Do you see everything that's going on and all that we got to do and everything that we got to get done? You think I talk fast to you? Listen, he's got tongues in interpretation. He invented the thing. It gets better. John, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 12 hours before Jesus is about to die, he knows Judas is about to betray him. He knows the devil's about to enter him. He says, hey, 12, y'all want to grab a bite to eat right quick? You want to come sit with me at the table? And in a great picture, everybody's facing the same direction for a good picture. <laughs> you ever caught that about the Lord's Supper? All 12 of them on one side of the table, like, John all laid up on Jesus, like, are you kidding me? That ain't how it looked. It's like all 12 of them, like Photoshop, Last Supper. You kidding me? Jesus is like, hey, I'm about to die. You want to eat? It goes on in John chapter number 21, verses 9 through 12. Jesus has already died. He's come back to life. The disciples went back to their old ways. They're out in the middle of the sea laboring to catch fish. You know how anything you do in the spirit's laboring out of your physical, not walking it out by faith in the spiritual. They're out there laboring to catch fish, and they don't even know it's Jesus. And he's like, hey, you guys want to eat? No, we're fishing, and we had kind of throw it on the other side. That should have been hint one. Didn't I hear this somewhere before? So they threw it on the other side, and immediately they began to pull in fish. Jesus says, forget the fish. I'm jumping in the water. I'm swimming to see Jesus. The other guy said, we're going to be the responsible ones. We're going to bring in all these, so many that there were 153 of them. And when Peter got to the shore, Jesus had food waiting on him. He says, you can labor or we can eat. Which one do you want to do? You can, you can labor or we can eat. Which one do you want to do? Now listen, even in Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 20, Jesus said, behold, you remember what behold means? It means grab hold of, see, it's real, it's tangible. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, reacts and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Why does the father want to eat at the most awkward times? Because it takes the, nutri the nutrients of him to get the nourishment from him, to walk out our new nature in him. 
He understands how great the battle is that you're about to go into. And he understands that as great as the battle is, the most important thing you need in the battle is what? Strength. You don't get strength by not feasting with him. You get strength by feasting with him. So when you're fasting physically, you should be dying the most spiritually. And so in that, Jesus is saying, listen, I know how big the storm's going to get. And it's best that we sit down and eat now before it. So in the midst of it, you got the strength to go through it. Why does the Father want to seem to eat at the most awkward times for us? And many of us throw our hands up, doesn't he care what I'm going through? He says, yes, and I got it in hand. Will you sit down and eat with me? See, if we're going to become living stones built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we got to understand what Jesus did, how he did, and when and why he did it. And most of the time, Jesus, when and why he did it, was when he was about to go into something great, he said, let's eat. Let's get the nourishment that we need to walk out the nature of who we're called to be and what we're being called to become. So how does this relate to you this morning? I'm going to tell you how it relates to you. Listen to what Jesus is saying right here in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 20. It says, we're going to jump back to verse 15. I know your works. You are neither hot, or you are neither cold nor hot. Would, you, would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I am in need of nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may, be, may clothe yourself and, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Now listen, he's talking about how horrible their life is. You're not hot, you're not cold, I want to throw you up. I can't even look. This is horrible. Now listen to what he says. In all the midst of God looking on our sin, verse 20, behold, you want to grab dinner? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me and comes and let me in, I will eat with him and he will eat with me. So don't discredit where you're at and the amount of sin you may be in and the issue that you're at. His statement to us as the church this morning is still this. Want to eat? You want to eat? Because why? Because he knows you can't get out of the sin until you eat. He knows you're not going to overcome the sin until you eat. He knows that you're naked, pitiful, poor, blind, horrible situation. Everything in your life is in a wreck. And he's saying, you want to eat? Whenever you're at the worst place in your life, you always say, I wish that somebody would come talk to me and take me out to eat. Right? And then when they call, I don't feel like going. Come on. Jesus is knocking at your door this morning saying, you want to eat? Do you want to come and eat with me? Because listen, the first part of this passage that I just read, he talks about their horrible state in life, how horrible it is. He looks past that because he sees himself on the cross being crucified, raised again to newness of life, and says, because of this, I can ask even the person in the worst sinful state, want to come grab dinner with me? 
Because listen, he recognizes their great depravity, how far that they've fallen. He says, you want to come grab lunch with me? Then he says, the next verse, verse 21, I want everybody there, look at it. He says, you're horrible. He says, come and eat. The one who comes and eats is the one who conquers. The one who eats is the one who conquers. Verse 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne also, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Then it goes back to what we read in the gospel of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the church. First Peter chapter 2 says you are a living stone. All living stones need sustenance to survive. The sustenance that we need to survive is the bread of life. We must get the nutrients of him to gain the nourishment from him to walk out our new nature in him. In doing that, the Father's going to ask you to come and dine and eat with him, even if it seems at the most awkward times in your life. And listen, I got the rock here on the stool because you know what he's been waiting for you to do all along? Come and eat with him. This whole morning has been about you coming to your stool here because he's been waiting on his stool there. This whole message this morning has been about you coming to a place in the Father where you know you need the nutrients of him to get the nourishment from him to walk out your new nature in him. And you know what I love about Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 22? Everybody looks at that as a horrible verse. I look at them as the greatest verses ever because it doesn't matter what messed up state Joel T. Meyer is in. Jesus already paid the price on the cross of Calvary and says, I know what you've done. I know what you've gone through. Nothing is hidden from my eyes. But hey, you want to eat? And when I eat, the Bible says, I become a conqueror with him because he's also conquered. So the answer to getting out of your sin is not avoiding Jesus, it's running to the dinner table with Jesus. The answer to your issue in your marriage is not avoiding him, it's running to him and eating. And it's not running to him and praying and bailing out all your crap on him and my, bail, sorry, just came out. Bailing out all your junk on him. My wife is just like mortified at the moment. It's not about dumping all your issues out on him. He knows your issues. There's time for that. Believe me, there's time for that. But any issue you dump out, be ready for him to address. That's a whole other message. Any issue you pour out before him, he has the right to address it. He invited you to his table. You pour, pouring out your junk on his table, he can address any issue you pour out. Instead, you may just need to come and say, Jesus, I don't feel like eating, but I know I should be hungry. I know I should be hungry. Here's how you can evaluate your Christian walk, and I'll quit here in a minute. Healthy people like to eat. When you're healthy and you're not sick, you like to eat. You like to eat lunch. You like to eat dinner. Some of you like to eat breakfast. In the healthiest moments of my physical life, I wanted to not eat just breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but snack in between. In the healthiest moments in my spiritual walk, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to wake up and him be the first thing I think about. In some of my most unhealthy moments, I never even wanted to come to the table. 
And I believe we have Christians that are suffering from spiritual anorexia because you've avoided the table so long you don't even know what it's like to eat anymore and for it to feel good. But in the midst of your worst place in all of life, he looked at this church and he said, I see you're not hot and you're not cold and I want to throw you up. Want to eat? Do you see the amazing love of Jesus? It's not that he ignored the sin. He addressed every sinful thing that they did. But in that addressing, he says, still come to my table. I want to eat. Because when we eat, you're going to be a conqueror. When you eat this bread of life, when you get the nutrients of me, to walk in the nourishment from me, you'll live out your new nature in me. And so this table is for you. This table has your name written on it. This table right here. And the rock is here. And he's sitting here looking across saying, who will dine with me? Who will eat with me? Because as Jesus told his disciples, I have bread to eat that you know nothing about. And it is to do the will of him who sent me. You want to know how you're getting nourishment from him? You'll start seeing your actions reflect him. Because you are what you eat.